he came, he opened the door, and he was screaming, come on, help me. Somebody shot my mother and father. And everyone ran out of the bar, and that was it. They Did all took go? off. No, I had to stay. I was tending more. They all jumped in his car and took off. Today, police combed the DeFeo's handsome three-story house for clues while divers explored the backyard swimming pool for the still-unfound murder weapon. Police have been questioning the son, Ronald, and now say he is being, quote, safeguarded. Investigators say without explanation that they now feel young DeFeo was in the house at the time of the murders, but they're not yet considering him a suspect. And so we forth. have no suspect at this time. Is we have no indication of the motive at this time. What about Ronald uh, DeFeo, the son, the surviving son? Ronald is being safeguarded by the Suffolk County Police at this time. Why safeguarded? Why? Because the six members of the family dead, and we don't know why, and he's the sole remaining member. Is he also a suspect? He's not a suspect at this time. Few people in the neighborhood knew the family well, but those who did describe them as close-knit. I figured, I think they were just very sweet, very religious people, very family-minded people. That's about all I could say. Very good, very generous, just tight. Very, very close with their children. There's one element in the usual mass murder story which seems to be missing from this case. There's no sense of fear in this community. No feeling of a mass murderer on the loose. People we talk to seem to feel that whatever was the motive for this crime, it had something to do with the family. It's not something that's going to return to bother anyone else. In Amityville, Long Island, Phil Barno, News Center 4. Welcome to the Scarlet Tavern. Grab a drink, take a seat, and let's begin. On tonight's episode, we will be discussing the DeFeo murders, the real-life story behind Amityville Horror. Was this just murder, or was this something from beyond? This is Scarlet Tavern. with another one uh i guess you guys can't see it but my setting's a little different um in our new place um so the sound is a little different i apologize as i have not soundproofed this new room yet um but yeah so uh last week was uh a hot topic <laughs> um, this week uh, is a little haunting um so we're gonna be talking about the defeo murders uh which for those are led- horror fans this is what led to the amityville horror movies one of the original, one yeah. of my favorite, personal favorite horror movies, possibly the best of all the series that I mean, should have died. The other ones were garbage. Uh, yes, very much so. They should have all died. And also, the and I'm sorry, Ryan Reynolds, if you ever listened to this, you should never have signed on to do the Ra- remake. Ryan Reynolds, if you ever listen to this, please come onto our podcast. Um, please. I would leave my non-existent <laughs> spouse for you. Um <laughs> We will I, also... I would need to keep my, my actual real-life spouse away from you. <laughs> um, I We will be talking about the real reason that Amityville Horror became a thing, and that is the Warrens. Um, I will That'll yeah. be in part two. If it wasn't for the Warrens, as psycho as they are, as, as horrible as they are, if it wasn't for the Warrens, we would not have a lot of the horror movies that we have. Especially, I will say the Conjurings especially, are good. Especially haunting-wise, because that is... They wanted everything in mainstream media. They were all about making money. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so... Conjuring are good I, movies. I, there is something that I sent to Ben earlier. Uh, way I want to yeah. start this off. Just a little discussion. We're not going to get theological on this. It's going to be more of... A historical discussion, but I was scrolling through TikTok and uh, a live came up. I don't know why religious lives come up on my For You page. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's it's somebody mocking me, but um, knowing 
my background. Um, so this person who never showed their face, um, but they had text written and they were speaking, but they said the Catholic church is the church that Jesus created. God is only going to make one church and he is only going to do it correctly. All base Catholic traditions are in the Bible. The Bible is Catholic. Catholicism is Christianity. Protestantism is heresy. We were placed on the earth so we could learn what it is like to exist without God. Uh, I was actually at my regular day job when he sent that. And at first I was very perplexed. It's like, good God. I, I, I know I'm, ca I, I, I make no, make no, um, Heidi, I am Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic schools. And I can tell you all right now, folks, that is – at first, I was, when I first heard that or, or sent that, he showed me that picture. And I thought, wow, that is some real old-school Catholic thinking. But then I started thinking, it's like I, I know old-school Catholics. That, they didn't even subscribe to that. And this is like – this okay, so I'm sure Caleb has a basic understanding, but I'll give you all how what we were taught in Catholic schools about the origin of the church. The church, first off, Jesus Christ did not start a church. Jesus Christ was simply the Son of God. He preached. He preached the teachings, and he he died for it. Died for our sins. However, you want to interpret that, he was a he was a preacher. He went against the grain of the time of the Pharisees who ruled Judea, which was under King Herod, which was a protectorate of and a vassal state of the Roman Empire, which would eventually be part of the um, an actual Roman province. Jesus Christ did not start a church. Technically speaking, Peter. The apostle Peter, the rock of which of which the church shall be built. This is what you find in the New Testament. It is said, I don't know which which uh, book or chapter or verse that is. So, if any of the priests who taught me religious classes are ever listened, please, I'm sorry, please, fathers. I please didn't... stop listening to this podcast because you will not like it. Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. Actually, I know, I do know a few priests who are actually true crime buffs, just like myself. So they they might. I don't, um, I don't think they'll they'll like your language. No, no, they didn't like my language when I was and, in Catholic school. And sexual innuendos. <laughs> and oh, yeah, no, they, no, they have to have another priest. I mean, that. of course, D&D &D is of the devil, so. Oh, uh, yeah. It, interestingly enough, my high, my high school, St. Francis, and and uh, Ethel Springs, New York, had a Dungeons & Dragons club, so. Anyway, but I digress. Um Peter, it is said in the Bible, Peter was the rock on which the church shall be built. I will build my church. Now, obviously, this is where some people get confused. But again, Jesus didn't create a church. And if we really, really want to be technical, Peter didn't create a church. What Peter created was a, a ministry. I guess it's the best way to describe it. There was no brick and mortar churches because the times in which Peter was preaching and gathering the followers of Christ that would be banned. that would was banned. It was persecuted. Peter himself would be arrested by the Romans and crucified upside down. He would, after enduring many days days of torture, many other Christians would would suffer very, very similar fates. So, but the church persisted, or the ministry, I would say, persisted until finally enough of you know many Romans and their subjects and started become converted to the point where the Romans could not ignore the influence of the Catholic Church and of course the Roman paganism and was on the decline along with many other aspects of the Roman Empire so eventually what happened is that the old adage if you can't beat them join them started and the Romans started Constantine adopted the church and this is where the church started going from just simple ministries to becoming the official religion of the of the empire that controlled a quarter what was essentially an i think it was like an eighth or a quarter of the known world and yeah it just it just the rest is really history but and then of course with the and the um i want to say the 1500s to the 1600s i am i am 
my father, God rest his soul, was Protestant, but he was the epitome of a lapsed Protestant, so I don't know the whole history of Martin Luther. But around that point, the church had become very corrupt, you know, paying for indulgences um, was obviously a big, a big, the hot topic for the church at the time, basically buying your way into heaven is essentially what it really was in practice. Sounds a lot like Christianity today. Um, and your big churches. Well, the evangelical churches, yes, I will agree to put some reason have more so, money than they think that there, there's a reason supposed- that those those pastors are living in mansions while their their people in their congregation are struggling to live yeah we like i said we're we won't get we too won't much get into, into that <coughs> we'll that get into much. a theological debate later um very much later but, but going to oh go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off but yeah i mean with this saying that Catholicism is, and of course I have put my, everybody knows my stance on everything. Um, but saying Catholicism is the one true religion basically is what he's saying. Or at least the one true Christianity denomination. That is is now alienating all of the other denominations, um, going apparent against what, his Bible says, just welcoming everybody. And I am the way, the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. It doesn't say nobody comes to the father except through the Catholic church. So from a historic, Oh, sorry. I, I thought you're done. So that's the thing. And of course, again, I, I left the, Pentecostal beliefs, but the the entire thing was not to, which unfortunately the church does this a lot, is not to seclude people um, and tell people you're not supposed to sit there and say you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's being welcoming, being there with open arms. But... And and. In practice, I can t- I can just speak from my point of view. The church, at least many of the priests, and act- believe it or not, I've actually haven't met very many nuns, um, have been very understanding, very tol- open. I, I, I don't, I'll say tolerant. I don't, but they have been very welcoming, and they always one very one many um, will always always said that Jesus would if Jesus Christ were to come back obviously not like apocalyptic end times but if he were to come back Jesus would never go to like the well established in society he'd go to the fringe the exactly. marginalized and everything like that but if we're talking about what this thing is so this this statement was made by somebody who's obviously very ignorant of a lot of things that, Pers- and I will say I'll I'll give their TikTok out uh it's a public. It's a public social media thing. If you can't yeah. take the heat, don't Catholic, make statements. Catholic like... illogical rosaries. Okay, well, is, is sir, there... ma'am, whatever you, whoever you are, I'll tell you right now. A guy, I'll tell you right now. First of all, Catholic Bible. First of all, there's just the Bible. That is it. There's not the Catholic Bible. The same as there's not a Lutheran Bible. We're all reading from the same source. Um, the Mormons however, are really the only ones that have anything different. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll get into Mormonism later. There, there's there's actually, believe it or not, uh, folks out there, there is actually some surprising amount of uh, felony crimes associated with the Church of Latter-day Saints that does not include bigamy. Um, one of the – if we're talking about historical here – the Catholic Church is not the original, is not the truest, oldest rendition of the church. Yes, the church can trace its roots back to the Roman Empire, but if we're talking like the earliest Christians who's still surviving, uh, the Coptic Christians in Egypt are going to take it for the win. They are the they are they are. If you were to look at some of their practices, the traditions of the Coptic Church, and just 
a lot of other factors I don't know offhand. The Coptics are probably the closest to the original iteration of Christianity that was preached when Jesus' disciples spread out from Judea and just started going everywhere. You know, obviously Peter and all the other apostles went north into Asia Minor, eventually into Greece and Rome and everything, but there were some who did go south into Egypt and spread amongst the Egyptians. And the actually the Coptic Christians are considered some of the oldest Christian denominations in the in the world. Yeah. So just a little So right there right there, Mr. Catholic Rosaries, you're wrong. Yeah, just a little thing there. Um we will <laughs> in a future episode down the line, we'll probably do some theological debates um as Ben growing up Catholic, myself growing up Pentecostal, um, and then our journeys where they are now. Um, so that, that'll be down the line. That was just something I thought was interesting today. And, um, but I was just flabbergasted that people are actually thinking that. So I didn't, I, I, didn't mean, even, I, I, I didn't even go into the live. I just saw that, took a screenshot and kept scrolling. I mean, honestly, um, if I, Maybe this is probably a little controversial. If you were to take out the references to Christianity and Catholicism, and you were to put, say, some Islamic stuff oh, in there, be an extremist. I would think they'd be like, "Huh, Al Qaeda is, is published is on TikTok now." Oh, huh. I'm sure they are. Okay, but yeah, I'm um, sure they are too. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started, Ben, with the DeFeos. The DeFeo murders, yes. Ronald DeFeo Jr., uh, the, the murderer of his entire family, which would sp- which would later be would spawn the Amityville Horror haunting, oh, I'd say haunting, Amityville Horror movie, the book, and this, this uh, paranormal phenomenon that has got, that is actually very, has actually divided a lot of people in the paranormal community. Although, as recent years have gone on, it's becoming less and less so to the point where I think everyone's just concluded that this is a this is a hoax. Uh, but let's but for right now we're going to start with the actual the the store the true story behind what is supposedly the hauntings, and that is on November thirteenth, nineteen seventy four, Ronald DeFeo who was 23 at the time, he entered Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and declared, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Um, DeFeo um, and a small group of people then went over to the um, to the home, which was 100, 112 Ocean Avenue, uh, which was in walking distance, and they would find a very grisly scene. Both, DeFeo, the, both of the DeFeo um, parents were indeed dead however as they would as they went looking through the house and the police subsequently they found that the all the younger siblings in the house were all dead all face laying face down gunshot wounds one each for the siblings two for the parents each now now, one of the interesting thing was about this and this is for our uh, law enforcement um, viewers or uh, listeners, excuse me, listeners, and for Kale, you might find interesting. After which, the police had to find Ronald DeFeo. He actually went to the bar. He actually went back to Henry's bar and was sitting there before the police went and started t- t- uh, to uh, question him. Little, I, I, little, little sus there already. Yeah. This was. Um, I mean, if it if it were me, I definitely would not be able to go. Number one. So, okay, so this was 1974. No cell phones. Um, they possibly a house phone, maybe. Um, depends. I mean, this is Amityville's not poor. No, no, this is a very, Um, even back then, this was a very high-end, affluent neighborhood. So, more than likely, they had a house phone. So, why do you run Run to a bar, bar, say, I need help, and then go back, and then have one of your friends call? For me, from the law enforcement side, which, on part two, we're going to have my dad here again, 
and we're gonna get some more uh, more experience insight. In there. But for me, from the law enforcement side, is he did that? Went to that bar to show other people his distress, his distress, quote unquote distress, to show that and- he tried to get help. Um, and so it makes him look like less of a suspect. And as we'll see, the holes in his story, uh, the first of many versions of the story already were starting to show. Um, that night when the Suffolk County, the Suffolk County um, Police Department were investigating, they uh, when they were investigating, they found all of them dead and their nightwear. It looked as though everybody had gone to sleep. The victims were Ronald DeFeo, Ronald DeFeo Sr., 43, Luis DeFeo, uh, 43 as well. His four siblings, Dawn, 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John, 9. All of them had been shot with a 35 caliber level action uh, Marlin 336C rifle. And this happened roughly, based on the coroner's um, estimates, had been about 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, All the kids had been shot... Go that, ahead. that right there is, we assume that he was at the home at home at the time. Why is everybody left alive but him? Why exactly? Well, um, one of the consistent problems that would that we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it a little bit more is that Ronald DeFeo had a major alcohol and heroin addiction um as did half of new york in the 70s this is true <laughs> um so it was believed that he was uh, he he had said he was out with friends getting high or drunk or something like that he just was he was not there and he came home and yeah so he was out with friends and then ran to the bar and found his other friends to, uh, yeah Holes already um, within the first two minutes of being into this. Now, what got what started with the what made the police investigators um, very suspicious off the hand were two things. One, the first thing night he the night they're inter- they're I, they're questioning him. Keep in mind at this point, Ronald DeFeo Jr. is not a suspect. He is seen as a survivor of a massacre. Simply, and and this is seen as because the first person he names is. A mafia hitman. Uh, what was he? I have his notes here. He was a Louis uh, Fellini. Yes, that's it. Thank you, Caleb. Um, was a um known mafia hitman and soldier of uh, I believe the Lucchese crime family. I could be wrong about that, but he was uh, a very well-known individual. Was said to have killed his family and uh ronald defano senior had actually the reason he was able to afford moving from brooklyn to to this very rich neighborhood in long island was the fact that he was a very successful uh car salesman he actually owned his own dealership in new york and it was just mob bosses is the suspect the suspected of it yeah it They've never been able to prove that there was anything, but nothing knowing, definitive. Knowing New York in the seventies, it, it was highly possible. It, it's very possible, and, and the fact that DeFeo—that's a very Italian name. True, so we're they, not going to make any judgments. No, here. and <laughs> it's but but if you think, and it's it's just statistics of Italians in New York. The wealthy Italians in New York, because in the seventies, if you were if you were an Italian that was not part of the mob, you were more than likely an immigrant that was very poor. So if you were an Italian that had money, you were more than likely connected with the mob at some aspect. At least they would have had a brushing association. If anybody's ever seen, um, oh, I forget the name of the movie. It's with. Um, it's with Robert De Niro. Uh, it's not Goodfellas, although Goodfellas is another good example of 
Brooklyn was a, at the time was a very, at least a good part of it was a predominant Italian area. Many people still live there. So yes, they would have known it would have, it was very plausible. And again, this is a modestly well-to-do uh, successful car dealership owner who Ronnie Jr. worked for too. Yeah. So um, first, and suddenly they're able to afford a very expensive home well, out in Long yeah. Island. And then, and, and then there's the fact of if they weren't connected to the mob, number one, how would he know how this did, person? How does he know this person? And why would he make that connection? The mob does, just doesn't make a habit of going out and killing random people. That's no, not what they're known for. Additionally, the mafia, which again we will cover organized crime later on in our um, how, later and much later episodes, but the mob does not generally does not kill a whole family. Yeah. They'll kill, although they'll kill the guy that's actually wronged them or did had a bad business dealing. But kids, nah. I, well, no, and not. and more than likely, again, they're not going to write out kill. It would be it's the breaking of fingers. It's sending a message because if somebody's dead they cannot pay a debt exactly and so it, all would, of this... it would have been more than more likely that they killed ronald defeo jr to make senior listen because not only did junior work there he's also the oldest of the kids and more than likely the closest to the father ultimately though it wouldn't matter because the person that he named suspiciously by name, by, by name, uh, was actually under FBI surveillance at the time and was in Florida. The man had lit two FBI, an FBI agent had literally followed him to, uh, Florida to report on his, on organized crime dealings down in Florida. So the man, the hitman in question, while he, while he would later be proven to be a notorious associate of the Italian mafia, he was not actually physically in the same location as these murders occur. So right. The first hole is right there. Another hole, which definitely sealed the fate in which would, they would use against to fail to get him to confess. He asked about cashing in the life insurance policy. The night his family died. So, and this yeah. makes you wonder if they are so well off, he has a very successful car business. The Ronald DeFeo Jr. is working for the dad. They are making good money. They're living in Amityville, which is a very well-off town. Why does he need the life insurance? Exactly. More, more than likely, especially in a 1970s Italian family. It's the, and of course, I'm not Italian at all. I'm German. Me neither. I'm German. But I, I know my German family, but it is, we are immigrants. We want to give you better than what we had or what our family had. So we're going to give you everything. So he probably was able to get whatever, pick whatever car he wanted off the lot to drive. He probably got a hefty allowance on top of what he was making in money. Uh, as we'll see, as as they would find out later, now that many things would start coming to light, um, the DeFeo family was not a very happy family. Ronald DeFeo Sr. and his wife Louise were very abusive to Ronald Jr., um, According to now that now in this case we only have Ronald Jr. to verify this, but other extended family members have uh, verified more or less verified that Ronald Sr. had a temper. He was very strict with his children. Uh, we don't know. We'll never. We'll never know if he was as abusive to Ronald Jr. as um, to his other children as he was to Ronald Jr. Um, Ronald Jr., as I say, was also a, had a major heroin and alcohol addi uh, addiction, um, probably, um, used, he probably got into drugs and alcohol to cope with his ab physical and emotional abuse that he was suffering at his parents from a long time, from a long, uh, standing again, 
we know it's generally accepted that he was abused. How bad was the abuse? Was it enough to drive him to this horrible thing and kill him? We don't know. Um, but this would drugs and alcohol did would ultimately play a very large factor in the murders in the sense that if we're talk one of the things that they talked about was his eventual story that he would use and one of very many additions that he was demonically possessed. Yes. Now, I mean, if heroin and alcohol are a demon, then, well, then, unfortunately, I hate to say it, folks, a lot of, there's a lot of people out in the world who are uh, possessed by demons. So, um, this would be one of many inconsistencies in the story. Eventually, he did, the next day after, he did confess to killing his family, and, um, he was event. He was found guilty, sentenced to six consecutive um, life sentences, and for up until I believe not too long ago, he actually was in prison. He just recently died at the age of sixty nine in prison. They did not list his um, did not list his cause of death. You know, he died Mar died in twenty twenty one at the um, in Albany at the Albany Medical Center. So Ronald DeFeo. Junior took the secrets of the murder to his grave. He, there have been many unauthorized, supposedly interviews of why he did this. There, there's probably just as many wild uh, speculations as to why he killed his family. One of them was that his he was supposed to in, in, um involved in a murder suicide pact with his sister Dawn. Where at, and he would kill the parents, and his sister Dawn killed the uh, killed the other children, and Ronald DeFeo then killed her, and then was supposed to kill himself, but he chickened out at the last minute, and then tried to cover his tracks by saying that his family had been murdered by some mafia associate. Um, but that. That is really the murders of Ronald DeFeo. And for many years, the house actually would have remained um, empty uh, until, 19, until about five years after the – about four, yeah, four or five years after the murders, I believe, of um, Ronald DeFeo – of the DeFeo family, um, the house of one – of 112 Ocean Avenue would then have a new owner, the Lutz family. And this is where the legend of the Amityville Horror really would begin. Um, so I'm looking at the DeFeo death. Um, he died in 2021. Yes. Um, yeah, at the age of 69. Um, and then it was announced that they will never release his cause of death. Due, really? Due to, except to immediate family, due to health privacy laws, which is HIPAA goes out the window when you die. Um but that that really sparks some conspiracy theories with a lot of people that this was him being killed was another like he was about to tell uh, all their mafia connections and that they killed him to shut him up and blah 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 some people believe he just had a disease i mean he was in prison for a very long time and it that takes a toll on your body uh and i mean 69 he's older um, yeah but again he's not living his best life in prison exactly and killing children does not do you well in prison 
Um, yeah. Even if they're just your siblings, yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't, it definitely doesn't endear you. Um, I think probably the uh, New York State corrections were just probably not trying to gain, trying to feel any more demonic talk, and in the end, they just kind of feel it created more speculation. Yeah. <sighs> so, um. Let's. I want to think this would be a good point. Let's go ahead and talk about the Lutzes. Um, because in part two, I want to. We'll, we'll talk. We'll kind of split the Lutzes up into two. Um, okay. And because that way we can, in part two, we'll also kind of dig into who the Warrens are. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll kind of, we'll kind of go through and talk about who the Warrens are and everything. So if, if we want, if we want to go ahead and discuss the Let's moving in um, and all the way up until, uh, all the way up until, before the another house blessing of course so about 13 months after the uh the defeo murders in about december of uh, 1975 george and kathleen lutz brought the house for what was considered be considered to be a bargain price of eighty thousand dollars and i can tell you right now folks New York State real estate, even being that even back then, that was a steal. It was they should have. It was also a house where a lot of people died. So yeah, but back True. then, back then, I don't believe they had to disclose it like they do now. No, now, no, they did now not. Now you're I, required to disclose it. Oh yeah, for this very same reason, I believe because. I think people just got tired of buying homes where people were having bloody crime scenes. Well, I, 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 I would to, buy I a house. To, I need to look up the history of this house because this house was built in 1925. Oh boy! I, I please, to... please, please, please <laughs> cleanse the house. I need to. I, once we're in here full, once we're in here fully on Sunday, I'm cleansing the house. Do I need but... to get? Do I need to get an old priest and a young priest to come bless the house? I don't know what you're using the young and old priest for, but you've never seen the <laughs> you've never seen the uh, the Exorcist, have you? Yes, I have. So uh, you know, I, so I, you I, know, I was, you know. I was making a sexual Catholic joke. Uh, oh wow, there's an original thing. <laughs> um, five bedroom home was uh, um, very distinct home. It also included a swimming pool and a boathouse which was also located on a canal by in the area. Um, George and Kathy had, um, had actually just been recently married in July of that year. And had, and Kathy had had uh, three children from a previous marriage, Daniel, Christopher, and Melissa. Um, now, based on now a lot of the impressions and the story that we get from this was actually from the book Amityville Horror, which was written by the by a by um, I believe along with the Lutzes, their lawyer, and another ghostwriter that they had hired for it. Um, at first, they they described um, nothing really untoward happening in the house. The only time that the things started happening is when um kathy lutz had actually insisted that the house be blessed by a catholic priest now this is actually this was very common back then with the catholic church that if someone buy a new home a priest would come and just perform a blessing very simple simple prayer they sprinkle some holy water nothing on nothing out of the ordinary blessings are not really um men they're not meant to do anything of course according to what uh father mancuso the uh the priest who would who's what um would be the one performing the 
Blessy would be, he would go through the home, bless each room, and as he got into the room that was actually the room of John and Mark uh, DeFeo, supposedly a, a very masculine voice would 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 growl at him and say, Get let's let's make a note here as well and let everybody know that this wasn't just this all of the furniture was still here from the defense that plays a big part um if anybody knows anything of hauntings i will be honest i believe ghosts exist um i i do as well i i do i I do think there's a lot of of frauds out there such as amityville i don't believe amityville is real um and i don't believe anything that the warrens do are real um no but no uh they attach themselves to specific things um mainly oh they they do attach themselves a lot to furniture that's that's a big thing so all of this furniture from the defeos that was there at the time of the murder was cleaned. It was left in the house. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't imagine buying somebody else's stuff. I just, yeah, but it, again, just you, gotta think, you gotta think that in the 70s, they bought this house for 80 grand. They probably would not have been able to afford this normally. No, no. Um, and hey... This house is fully furnished. We don't have to buy furniture now. The the Lutzes didn't have a lot of money. No, they didn't, which is also which would also um, play a factor, which many believe played a factor into selling their story. Uh, sell, yeah, selling their story. Um, so once that happened, Father Mancuso immediately. This is where, to me, this is where the the some of the inconsistencies and the hauntings happen. So Father Mancuso starts hearing this. Naturally, he is very frightened of this. He leaves the house. And he just went right by, said his goodbyes to George and Kathy, and proceeded to leave. Never told them that this was happening. Never told them that he at – first, at, first, at first, he didn't say that this was happening, that he heard a, a disembodied voice say, get out. Well, and let's just say that – uh, Father Mancuso wasn't just a priest. He was also a lawyer, a judge of the Catholic court, and he was a psychotherapist. So he's not just some priest. Like, this man is... A very well-educated, well-to-do. Exactly, he, yes. he, would be, he would be somebody that is not just a parish, not to diminish the roles of a priest or any religious figure... And, and and a community, but he is he's not just a parish priest who's in charge of running the local bingo night. He is someone of importance in the Catholic Church, and he would probably have direct access to the month the local Monsignor, possibly even the the uh, the Archbishop of New York, which is a very prominent. Uh, person in the Catholic Church is for the sake of how big New York City is. But um, yes, he would he would leave and he would not and he just left. Didn't say anything. Now even after this 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 happened, um, nothing really again, still, George and Kathy did not at um report say anything really um out of the normal had happened um although eventually um father Mancuso would have would try again and again he was met with a get out he then would leave the house and then eventually he did tell them about what he saw and occurred of course again george and kathy were very confused like uh, i don't know what you're talking about i was planning on turning that room into my sewing room kind of an odd I if I that'd be an odd thing to do is like hmm hmm? yeah sewing room well no yeah my mother-in-law has a sewing room um Father Mancuso actually no I would not do that ever she's not listening to this it's okay yeah she she would never I I I love my mother-in-law but she would never she never listen to true crime 
Um, Brother Mancuso would later, according by his account, he actually uh, developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to uh, stigmata. Do we know what stigmata is? Stigmata um, is, um, it's basically it's the it's when somebody starts experiencing the wounds of Christ, correct. bleeding from from the wrist, um, from the head, the feet. And also from your ribs. Correct. This, this is these are all the the wounds that Christ would experience when he was crucified on the cross. It's not typically something somebody um, experiences via a demonic possession. It's usually just I don't know too much about it and the phenomena about it, but it's definitely I know for a fact it's definitely not something that ha that ha happens in relation to a demonic presence uh this is another thing that some people who know that who understand this would realize this is not something that happens in demonic possession um by mid-january after the attempted house blessing um they experienced what they would turn um the activity again would would started to increase eventually this would lead the lutzes to by their accounts running away in the middle of the night because of um the activity in the house became very unbearable but they've never spoken of what actually happened um other than a few accounts of the son of of the lutzes account described what he saw was a demonic pig yeah so the the lutzes and we're gonna wrap up this here and continue later um but the the lutzes described everything as too frightening to talk about yet you go and write a book about it so I've read I've read part I've read many parts of this book. I I can't get through it because I actually have good taste in horror horror novels. Um but yeah, he would describe it. many of the instances were just described in very vague details and very what was described is very like almost cartoonishly outlandish like as the son would the 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 oldest uh Lutz son would describe as he saw a demonic pig, but when asked, "Well, what do you mean by a demonic pig? Did you mean do you mean like a like a wild boar?" And he's like, "No, I'm talking like Porky Pig style pig, but like demonic looking." Yeah, and this, I, so I don't know. I I think that if you're claiming this happens and then you say, oh, it's too frightening to discuss, but we're going to go ahead and write a book about it. That tells me that nothing happened. You are can't talk about it now because then your stories aren't straight. And we're going to write a book so that we can make sure our stories are straight. Um, and then they're on paper and permanent. So I, as this sits right now, do do I believe the DeFeo house was haunted? No. Um, I, I mean, typically a lot of hauntings do happen. Uh, spirits are where a lot of death and trauma happens. Is it is it possible that the DeFeo house could be could have been haunted at some point? Maybe. Um but I think that their tales of what happened are so out of the norm that it it can't be anything but farce. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we'll discuss in the second part with our um, with our co with our other co-host Aaron, we will um, go 
detail. We'll go we'll go into the investigation, the parts for the Warrens, um, their role in the Amityville horror, and a little brief about the um, a little brief touch on the Warrens themselves. Uh, we'll start to see a picture of how, like you said, how how big this 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 farce really is. Yeah. So. Um... But yeah, so this is part one of Amityville Horror. Um, this one is a little short. There's there's not a lot to it. I mean, we could dig deeper into the Warrens, which we may at some point, and do a whole series on the Warrens because they have their hand in quite a few honeypots. Um, and the Warrens themselves are enigmatic to say the least. Um, so we may touch on them later, but yeah, we'll, we'll continue with part two, continuing the rest of the haunting and then a little touch of the Warrens, uh, and their role in getting Amityville horror to its place in Hollywood. Um, and because they were, of course, they had nothing to do with it, but they like money. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. And then after this series, we are going to be back to alternating. Um, and I am going to go ahead and do some uh, abduction stories, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I, I love abduction stories. I, again, I'm a believer that aliens exist. Um, I was about to say, let's be very clear. We're talking about alien abductions, not kidnappings. Yes. Um, (laughs) Just to clarify for out there, Caleb is not, it's not saying he enjoys kidnapping people. Yes. Uh, I, I believe aliens do exist. Um, I think it's, and we're definitely going to have this discussion uh, during that, but I think it's pretty small minded of us to think that we're the only life in the universe in a ever expanding universe. Um, So, but yeah. um, So we want to thank everybody for joining us for part one of Amityville horror. Again, we apologize that this is so short, but Amityville Horror itself, there's not much really to it. It's one story, these people wrote a book, and boom, it's done. So um, we are going to be digging into some bigger stuff, some deeper stuff, some that will give us multiple parts. Um, And I think what we're going to start doing is saving these short ones for some Patreon episodes. Uh, Mm -hmm. You guys can subscribe to the Dungeons and Magi Patreon. That'll not only give you access to our D&D stuff as well, which is pretty cool, but it'll also give you access to special episodes of Scarlet Tavern. Um, And if we get enough patrons then we may do a few live shows of scarlet tavern so um but yeah so we want to thank you for visiting scarlet tavern remember to turn in your glasses push in your seat and as always tip the bard good night everybody good night